So today, a momentary change of direction. Shares are down, bond yields are up, the US dollar is on the rise, the exact opposite of where we were this time yesterday. But oil has continued on its downward trajectory. So what can we make from all of this? Just a bit oversold, perhaps, rethinking the extent and timing of the cuts in the United States. And meanwhile, the RBA meets today. Nobody's really expecting any move from them, but maybe in March. And does higher than expected housing loans give them the ammunition that they need for that? It's Tuesday, the 5th of December, 2023. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar really can't make up its mind. It's back up today, up 0.4% on the DXY. Ten-year treasuries are up seven basis points, up seven basis points, back to 4.27%, a few basis points higher than that earlier in the session. Equities are down and 0.8% dropping the NASDAQ at close, half percent lower for the S&P and down 0.1% for the Dow. But the Russell 2000 at close is up 1%. And the Aussie dollar down almost 0.9% this morning to 66.2 US cents. Aussie 10-year yields were down down five basis points yesterday to 4.44%, up a few basis points from that on futures overnight. The euro is down half percent, the pound down 0.8%, German bunds might be down one basis point, but yields are up in most of Europe, including a six basis point rise in 10-year gilts in the UK. Uh, Germany is the odd one out on shares uh, this morning, though the DAX is just in the green at close, but a 0.2% fall for the CAC current and the FTSE 100, so almost everything switching direction from uh, from yesterday on the tail end of last week. Although oil is still heading south, 1% off WTI, 0.8% off Brent. WTI is around 73 a barrel now. Brent almost down to 78. And spot gold is down a lot today, down a lot today, down 2.3%. That's coming off what I think was an all-time uh, peak on Friday. So generally, a bit of a switch around. Uh, Nabs Tapper Strickland joins me today. So let's see if we can make sense out of this. So markets are... Well, presumably they are steadfastly still refusing to believe Jerome Powell on rates staying higher for longer. But maybe now they're starting to listen a bit more to that with, you know, equities hit, yields rising. Maybe they're starting to wonder whether he's got a point or is it just that markets went a bit too far? Good morning, Phil. I think it's the latter there. We have seen some pretty big moves in markets over the past month and particularly over the past week after Governor Waller's comments about the prospects of the Fed easing on inflation alone and uh, giving a rough timeline of between uh, two to five months on that. Uh, so that did get markets boiled up uh, last week on the prospects of a cut as early as March. And indeed, when you look at market pricing, a March rate cut is still 64% priced and there's 122 basis points worth of cuts priced in 2024. Uh, that has edged a little bit lower from what it was uh, on Friday, uh, where it was uh, 135 basis points worth of cuts priced in 2024. But I think what, what we should just uh, reflect on this is it's just a little bit of um, a little bit of tempering of expectations um, ahead of a pretty heavy data week. So we do get the ISM services out of the US tonight, and we also get payrolls at the end, end of the week. Uh, there was also a Wall Street Journal article by the Wall Street Journal's uh, Fed whisperer, Nick Timorales, which kind of pushed back on any prospect that the Fed could start signaling as early as a December meeting about the prospect of cuts in uh, 2024 or start elaborating more on that. And he titled his article saying, our Federal Reserve officials are increasingly confident that they don't need to keep raising interest rates to, to defeat inflation, but they aren't ready to declare an end to hikes, let alone to start a discussion about lowering rates. So for greater signal from the Fed, I don't necessarily think you'll get it this year, you may start to get it more in the early part of next year. Was anyone actually expecting it, though? I mean, it, it seemed unlikely that they were going to start making that noise in December anyway, didn't I, it? I think so, but um, markets do get a little bit carried away sometimes. Uh, but importantly, <laughs> what, what we do get before the FOMC decision is another CPI report. 
Um, so if that does print fairly soft on next Tuesday, then you'd expect markets to come back uh, increasingly to the point of view that if inflation is coming back down to 2%, um, then uh, real rates are set to rise in that environment. And the Fed probably needs to cut rates in order to keep the same level of restriction uh, in terms of policy. And some of it was technical, wasn't it? So looking at Bloomberg this morning, they're, they're, they're writing about the relative strength index on equities. So, you know, it, 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 as a way of measuring whether the market had overbought and the S&P got over 73, when it gets over 70, the, the concerns that they've gone too far and it got up to 73, it's down below that now. So there are technical reasons as well, weren't there, for, for the market reaction? Oh, definitely. I mean, bonds, people had steepener trades on and those have been, um, some of those have been unwound, obviously. So that contributed to the price action, obviously, over the past uh, couple of weeks. Mm. Uh, but notwithstanding all of that, um, there is still quite a considerable cuts priced in for 2024. Yeah. And is there a concern as well? Perhaps this might be part of it with, with equities. Or am I reading too much into this that, you know, perhaps we've, you know, had a sort of a bit of a building up a compendium of soft data. So, you know, the, a concern that maybe it's not going to be as easy as perhaps people had thought that, uh, you know, and the latest was US factory orders, for example, down 3.6% in October. That's just for the month. I know it's just for one month, but add it to everything else that we've been having. Could markets be thinking, well, you know, maybe it's not going to be looking too healthy next year, hence equities taking a hit. It is interesting on that aspect. When you look at the dynamics of the market, I think it was mainly the tech sector that underperformed. So um, the tech sector has obviously rallied quite a lot over the past past month. So it could be just a little bit of correction on the back of that. There, There is a big issue here, though, is if inflation is drifting back to, to 2%, and if wages growth is still relatively robust at say three and a half to four percent, then that does imply something is happening with with margins out there. And uh, you did get those reports coming out of profit reporting season a couple of weeks ago, especially from Walmart, just noting the prospect of some deflation in some of the consumer goods side. Um, so that doesn't necessarily give a good earnings uh, profile for some companies out there. So maybe there are some people out there trying to think around those kind of issues there, but hasn't really crept into the wider market as yet. Well, we saw that in the Australian data, didn't we, yesterday, that uh, you know gross profits are falling. And we've got had retail sales down in October, gross profits falling, so and business inventories rising. So uh, you know that, that put all that together, that was that was pretty soft as well. Yeah, it was really mixed in that business indicators report. And the main reason why people look at it is, is one of the partial indicators into uh, Q3 GDP, which comes out on Wednesday. Um, the key thing for us was the inventories component was uh, a little bit better than what we had expected. And uh, inventories rose 1.2% Q on Q. And that was really driven by an 8.9% surge in mining inventories there. And Private inventories are set to add about 0.9 percentage points to GDP, so that does suggest some significant upside risk to the GDP figures. So, is um, that less less exports to China? Is that what was driving that? It's it's unclear because the goods trade balance was fairly robust in the mm. third quarter, so it could be just a bit of stockpiling going on as well. Um, and the other interesting thing was uh, we've been talking about the consumer and how subdued they've been. There's nothing really in this report to really back that kind of evidence. So it's suggested. No, look, look at the housing data. I mean, through the, you know, excuse the pun, but through the roof. Uh, definitely. And just going back to the business indicators first, the 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 real sales in um, the retail industry were up 1.4% Q on Q. For accommodation and food services, they were up 1.5% Q on Q. And for the smaller arts mm. and rec services component, they were up 2.6% Q on Q. So spending on goods was okay. Spending on services was okay. And maybe some of that World Cup did support some of that spending there as well. But it does suggest the consumer remains relatively resilient. And one reason why is when you look at aggregate private sector wages, 
they rose by 2.7% Q on Q, and that gives an annual rate of 9.7% year on year. So um, it seems like the labor market is, is, is tight enough. The increase in the minimum award wages is leading to obviously some considerable increases in the third quarter, um, but overall it's uh, helping to insulate the consumer there. And, and, you know, when you're talking about the World Cup there, that just shows the lag on all of this because that seems ages ago, doesn't it? We're only just getting the numbers on that now. Uh, definitely. And that's the other thing you have to think of is these big, big events that do tend to be playing into the seasonal factors. Um, and yeah. the other big one was, um, was was housing finance, as you mentioned, and lending commitments for housing surged by 5.4% month on month versus a 1.1% consensus. So it does suggest... Um, the housing market has been pretty resilient to the rate hikes that we have seen so far. And just worth reflecting on that the RBA back in November did say that the rise in loan approvals till then and house prices may indicate that financial conditions are not as restrictive as, uh, or sorry, are not especially restrictive. So that does play into that view. And we've been talking on the morning call for quite some time about the RBA's less hawkish communications uh, has consistently led many people to believe the cash rate cycle was over and that was back in 2022 was in the early part of 2023 and it was the mid part of 2023 and we've been creating an experimental shadow rate which incorporates some of this broader information uh, on the stance of policy beyond the level of the cash rate and we'll publish this in an upcoming uh, forthcoming uh, macro thematic publication but just worth noting that indicator did reach a peak of 4.69% in early July and because of the less hawkish rhetoric that was reflected into financial markets, it actually fell to 4.03% in early October. So it does suggest there was some material easing in uh, that kind of shadow rate on the back of the less hawkish RBA rhetoric between July and October. Right. So they're still not that hawkish now, though, are they? So does that... I mean, does that mean that uh, people are, will, you know, are, in, are investing in housing because they're assuming the RBA has peaked and uh, we're not going to see any more? And how wrong that might be? Yes, and indeed, the weather qualifier that was inserted into the November post-meeting statement and the market reaction to that um, was, or well, did suggest that the RBA did think to some extent that it didn't need to lift rates any further, even though their forecast track assumed another rate hike um, and with that rate hike, they only got uh, inflation back to 2.9% by the end of 2025. Um, what is interesting, though, is uh, Governor Bullock, when she's come out to speak uh, the past couple of times, it sounded more hawkish than those RBA minutes in the post-meeting statement. So it does jar a little bit there, and it does suggest if those domestic inflationary pressures remain, if uh, you don't get too much on the productivity side, then uh, the bias is that the RBA uh, will hike rates in, in February, and that's what our call is. Uh, so oil still falling as well, even though, and we probably haven't got time to talk about this, but it's, I mean, we know that, you know, the, they are trying to talk it up. The Saudi energy minister was trying to talk it up uh, uh, over the weekend, saying that, you know, the agreed cuts of 2.2 million barrels per day will happen, he reckons, uh, and it could well continue beyond March next year, but no market reaction to that. Oil continues to fall. Uh, so, I mean, that has to be a sign that people are expecting continued weakness, doesn't it? I mean, there's no, nothing else you can read into that. Oh, definitely. And the biggest question remains around Russia and uh, its mm. contribution to to curbs. So I think Russia is still going to be producing, um, but then going to be curbing their exports. And so to what extent that production mm. does bleed through to um, those exports will be quite crucial in terms of where the oil price 
goes from here by whatever way they can yeah <laughs> they'll find a way won't they uh, look uh, Tokyo's core CPI China's Caixin uh, services PMI as well today Australia's current account but really it is you mentioned the services PMI uh, that could move markets today couldn't it plus the jolts numbers for the US the job openings and quits numbers they're the two big numbers jolts and PMI today aren't they uh, apart from the RBA of course definitely <laughs> and we did see how the market reacted to that weaker than expected ISM manufacturing on Friday so if if we were to come in a little bit softer, then uh, you'd probably get an extension of the rally that we did see on Friday. Um, and importantly, also, we get the Kaisen uh, Services PMI out of China. And if you recall, the official non-manufacturing PMI was relatively weak at 50.2. Uh, so any um, divergence to that will be watched quite closely in terms of the services sector in China. Right. Okay. And look on the RBA. I mean, just to reinforce it, we're not expecting anything today. We're not expecting any signaling. It's going to be a fairly quiet meeting. Oh, I, I think so. So the post-meeting statement could read on the softer side just because they may acknowledge some of the low inflation prints that we are seeing in the US and Europe, and as well as that, the monthly inflation indicator for October, which is pretty goods heavy, uh, did give um, or, or did print a little bit lower than what the market was, was was thinking. But we just reinforce that the first month is very goods heavy. It doesn't give you much indication of what's going on the services side, and you really have to wait until the second month, monthly inflation indicator, to get a better read on domestic cost pressures. Very good. All right, we'll catch you very soon. Thanks, Tapas. Cheers. Thanks, Phil. There we are. Morning Call, episode 247 for this year. Uh, We've still got a few more weeks to go, of course. I'll be back again tomorrow morning for another one. I'm Phil Dobby for now. See you then.